All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Jack Eichel is a Stanley Cup champion before Connor McDavid. Give me a second here. Jack Eichel, Stanley Cup champion before Connor McDavid. Bad. Vegas Golden Knights, as many Stanley Cups as the Calgary Flames. Kind of funny. Oilers lose to the eventual cup champions for the second year in a row. What the hell? Welcome into Oilers Nation every day, live from the Sports Closet Studio and live on the Oilers Nation YouTube, where who's in with the first comment? It's Dakota with a very random first comment. Why does Tyler care so much about the handedness of defensemen? I don't know, Dakota. Maybe because all 32 teams traditionally care about the handedness of their defensemen. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff today. It's officially the offseason in the NHL. And our pal Frank Saravalli is going to stop by on the Star Mechanical guest line to tell us about what we can be expecting this summer. But first, there's something else I want to get to. I don't swear a lot on this show. Try to keep it PG-13, family-friendly. Yesterday, Ryan Pinder dropped an F-bomb, and I went, whoa, not on this show, Pinder. That's barn burner language. But I want to make this as just a blanket statement to begin today's show. Fuck you, Bell Media. Um, just straight up. Man, why do you own media companies if you have no interest in doing media? And I get it. Times are hard. Bell Media only made $2.9 billion in profit last year. How could you keep a successful AM radio station running and buy them a new transmitter if you didn't make $3 billion in profit? Brutal, disgusting, stupid. The billionaires who laid off all the people at The Athletic this week. 
Go fuck yourself. Like, come on. Why invest in sports media if you have no interest in actually running a sports media outlet? It's beyond stupid. I'm beyond pissed off about it. And at the same time, I just feel terrible for all my friends at TSN 1260. I mean, I was there for four years. That I, I'm not working here. I'm not working in the industry. If it's not for Matt Iwanek and Dave Jameson, I'm not the broadcaster I am without Low Tide and the time I spent with him and my friends, Dustin Nielsen, Lieutenant Eric, Connor Halley, Jason Greger, all those guys. It just sucks, man. I mean, Tom Gazzola ran a hell of a pre and a post game show. I listen to it all the time coming home from games. Like, it's just terrible. It's flat out terrible. And I think this industry, and I still believe this industry to get into it with you for a second, I think this industry is changing for the better because it's weeding out the big corporations who have no interest in in actually investing and doing the sports media thing properly. And I think what we're going to get to eventually is things will balance out where the companies and the people who are putting forward this kind of a product truly will care about it and the sports media landscape it, it's changing right now and in the moment it sucks but i think in the long term there's so much talent in this business that it will come out on the right end of it talented people will find platforms for their voices and i really really believe that so it's a sad day it's an irritating day because bell media sucks and the new york times sucks for everything they did at the athletic but this thing's gonna move in the right direction and uh yeah, I look forward to seeing all those guys land on their feet because they're the best and I know they absolutely will. So thank you for bearing with me through uh, my opening little monologue there. Um, I, I didn't, I thought I was just going to say a couple things, but I went a little bit longer than than I thought I would. But it's, it's a piss off, man. It's a piss off. Everyone, you know, you get into this industry knowing that there's going to be days like this, but Shit, it doesn't make them any easier. So with that, uh, I'll continue on with the show. I will continue on with the show. We got some news yesterday from the Oilers. We got some interesting nuggets of info today from Ken Holland. I want to bring my boy Liam Horobin to chat a little bit about that right as we go off the air. It's like the Oilers knew it, Liam. They announced the Derek Ryan extension. I like the move. There were some people, the Ken Holland haters were out in full force yesterday being like, Oh, here, oh, Ken Holland, give it another guy, an unnecessary second year. It's 900K. You can bury it. They're nowhere close to the limit for contracts, and they probably won't be. It's very like, what, next offseason, you might need to let Marcus Niemelainen go to Finland. Oh, boy, what a shame. This is a great deal. This is a manageable cap it and a very useful player that I'm happy they brought back. Uh, I'm 100% with you, Tyler. I just, people complain about this shit all the time. So it doesn't really matter that much. Derek Ryan has been a very reliable player to the Edmonton Oilers the last couple of seasons we've been here. He's, he grew up obviously playing for the U of A Golden Bears. Like he loves to be in this city. And for a guy who had 13 goals essentially playing on the fourth line last season, then that is fantastic to have on your team. And the second year, I could give two hoots about it, to be honest, because what is it? I think it's 750K on the cap or something like that, or 900, whatever it is on salary. So you can just bury it anyway if it doesn't work out. So, whatever. I'm glad Derek Ryan's back at a very friendly cap. And from what Ken Holland has been saying, too, the guys love him. And I mean, how couldn't you love him? A man that dresses like he works on the Peaky Blinders cast, too. Yesterday, Waz called him the Stormin' Mormon. And I <laughs> I tweeted Waz. I told him that's the funniest thing he ever said. And it honestly might be because I'm still laughing about that being his nickname. Um, yeah, I like it. Listen, even if in year two, Derek Ryan falls off the face of the earth and you got to send him to Bakersfield. 
no charge against the cap. Who gives a shit? <laughs> Anyways, um, it's totally it is all good. The Derek Ryan extension, that is good. Getting him for cheaper than he played the last couple of years. It's going to help your cap situation. If you have an everyday guy who kills penalties, can play center or take draws and play wing in your bottom six, 900K, I love it. I love it. Um, as for what's coming next, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some Klim Costa and Matthias Janmark news. Now that the Ryan deal's kind of set in stone, I think Holland will move along with his checklist mm-hmm. hope to get a couple of other bottom six guys done before uh, the NHL draft. So I, I think that's entirely a possibility. The other piece of news we got today came from Daniel Nugent Bowman's article in The Athletic mm-hmm. where he did an Ask Me Anything Q&A thing with Oilers GM Ken Holland. And the news is out now that Noah Philp, uh, Oilers prospect, former U of A Golden Bear, is retiring. I mean, this guy's under the age of 25. His professional career was only a year long. I, I don't want to get into the weeds of it. A lot of people saying, you know, in the chat that it's surprising. And yeah, I mean, I the organ... I, the organization isn't blindsided by this. I'll say that. Um, there were rumblings about this happening. As someone who covers the Golden Bears, does play-by-play, knows a bit about Noah Phillips' story, you, you feel for the guy. And that's... I don't want to, again, get into the the thick of it, but to be that close to your NHL dream and have your mental health be taken, the toll that that it's taking on Noah Phillips, that's just... That's brutal, man. And I really do feel for the guys. So hopefully this is one of those, you know, he takes a year off, steps away from the game and and comes back. But the biggest thing is that I hope everything's all good with Noah Phil because he's been through some some tough stuff, man. And and that really, really sucks again to see a guy and and to try to wrap your head around being that close to your dream and realizing you need to step aside. And Holland even talks about how they were excited to see what he could have brought to camp. So he definitely would have been an option and a factor in the team's fourth line bottom six competition next year. That's not going to happen. So a uh, potential name yeah. to fill out a roster spot next year off the board. And it, it's a really, really shitty situation. Um, so you feel for Noah Philp and his family. You hope everything is good on there. Uh, Daniel Nugent Bowman asked Holland if he can shoehorn in another high cap it. Ken Holland said he doesn't think he can. He had some funny line. Go read the piece. It's great. Um, he had some funny line about how he can count to 83 and a half which is encouraging, Liam. It's good, um, but a little discouraging that the Oilers maybe aren't going to be fishing for any big pieces. Yeah, he, he mentioned in there too that defense was kind of a big thing he wanted to address this summer. But again, just to go off that point, he, he basically said like they might not even be fishing in the $2 million, $3 million pool for defensemen. It might be a little bit lower than that. So we'll kind of see what they go out hunting there. I don't think that necessarily disclaimers anything on the trade market like obviously we got travis connectney rumors i think that was more addressed towards the free agency market this summer and another thing he said too in there was evan bouchard likely won't have a contract by july 1st so we'll kind of see how that all progresses but yeah there was a ken holland revealed all in that article with uh, daniel nugent bowman he had a bit on Philip Broberg. We'll talk about that mm-hmm. a little bit later on. He also had something when uh, DMB asked him about LTIR space. He said he'd like to have a million dollars set aside. He added, that's easier said than done. I can tell you a lot of things I'd like to do, but I don't know if I can. And just because they want to have space leading into the deadline, which is an idea you and I talked about a little bit a couple weeks ago, Liam, that, mm-hmm. hey, this roster as constructed, this blue line with Cody Cece, this forward group with Warren Fogel still there, 
it is 100% good enough to get you into the playoffs next year. It got them to the final four two years ago, more or less. It got them to the second round of the playoffs this year. It can get you there. They're not going to come out of the gates, fall flat on their face, and miss the postseason with this roster. They can really, it's, it's, it's not a terrible strategy for them to just wait until the deadline and see what's available then. I don't hate going that route. No, I, I don't hate it either. And like you said, like if they can kind of fill a couple of gaps in free agency and then go into the season with that million, million and a half, half a million, whatever it may be, and then play around it throughout the year, then I think that's fine. As long as you have a, the roster to compete in the playoffs by whatever the deadline is, March 2nd or whatever, then I think you're good to go. And Holland's been around the block. You know, he knows what he's doing, right? And the free agency pool isn't fantastic this year, I guess you could say. So I think keeping that money around might not be a, a bad idea at all. Unless Travis, Travis Connectly is right there, then just get him now. Get it done. Yeah, and I mean, Tyler Mulek's throwing Brett Pesci into the chat. I think that that would be a very expensive move. But Holland told DMB he wants to focus on getting better defensively. Mm-hmm. So maybe they would look at a righty like that. I think that gets more complicated because you need to get Cody Cece off the books. You would have to go out and get a guy like Pesci and give up the assets necessary, but I don't hate the idea of doing that either. There is not one, and this is what's intriguing about the Oilers heading into this offseason. There is not one clear-cut hole. Goaltending set. Could they use a right-shot D-man? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Could they use a right-shot forward? Yep, probably. Could they use a good bottom six-piece? Yep. But none of them are so urgent that you're like, this has to get done in the next month, in the next two weeks, whatever. I think they can afford to be a little patient at patient and see how the market develops a little bit. Uh, Tyler Mulek says, okay, Tanev for Broberg and CZ. Listen, guys, I love it. It's silly season. That's what we do best here on Oilers Nation every day. I'm all about it. Uh, we are live from the Sports Closet studio where Frank Saravalli is going to be making an appearance right away. But first, it's time for our Sherwood Ford giant offseason question of the day. Sherwood Ford, the giant in the month of June, which is halfway over, by the way, flying by through the month of June. Sherwood Ford will be making a donation to the Strathcona Community Hospital Foundation for every test drive that you go take. So head out there, hop into that new Ford F-150 Lightning Edition because it's mm. sick. I've sat in one. The front is a trunk. Wild stuff. Uh, go take a test drive and they'll donate some money to a good cause. The Sherwood Ford Giant Offseason Question of the Day, Liam. The Vegas Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup, meaning for the second year in a row, the Edmonton Oilers lost to the eventual Stanley Cup champions. <laughs> oh, man. The question, does that make it sting more or less? Um, you know what? I'm so numb to it. Like, there's so many things that come out around the Stanley Cup finals, like people being like, oh, this is the worst Stanley Cup finals ever. Or like, the Oilers would have won if it wasn't for Vegas. It's just like, I guess it stings less. It doesn't really matter to me that much, I guess you could say. Like, I think the Oilers would have been good enough to beat the Golden Knights. So, yeah, I guess it stings a little bit less, I guess is a good way to put it. I say I, I'm sitting on the fence. It does not sting yeah. more. It does not sing less. I'm not one of those people that's like, hey, that's an encouraging sign. Like, yeah, I think the Oilers, if they would have beaten Vegas, would have won the Stanley Cup. They were better than Dallas. They were better than the Florida Panthers by quite a wide margin. And the Oilers were really the only team that pushed Vegas even a little. And Edmonton lost that series because they didn't play good enough. So maybe I'm convincing myself that it stings less there. But then I go, hey, last two years, the Oilers are right there. And next year, full season of Matias Ekholm, 
pretty much the same roster coming back as it stands right now. Maybe some room to not be an LTIR and make improvements. Maybe I should be encouraged by that. Or should I be discouraged because it was another clear year where the windows open? And you know what I'm saying, Liam? I think you can convince yourself to be on either side of this argument. Yeah. And you know what? Like, I think when you look at it on paper, sure, like maybe the Oilers could have won it. But actually watching that series, like the Oilers beat themselves in so many ways, right? Like we know this team is way better than what they showed in that series. So the only thing that stings for me is that the Oilers didn't show up. Not necessarily that Vegas went on to win the Stanley Cup. That's the worst part about it all is, what was it, game five? The game was tied at 2-2 going into the third period or 1-1, whatever it was. And the Oilers let it slip and they let it slip again in game six. And then next thing you know, we're all going to the beach. Or, you know, and it's just, that's what stings. I could really care less who goes on to win the Stanley Cup if they beat the Oilers or whatever it is. Just I just want the Oilers to figure out ways to get over these obstacles and beat the teams that would then go on to win the Stanley Cup. You know what I mean? Yeah. QF Bro says it's a mixed bag. Uh, what hurts is that we are likely both cup winners, toughest playoff challenge. I wouldn't necessarily say that about Colorado. I mean, they kind of steamrolled the Edmonton Oilers <laughs> in that series. Uh, Scotty says it's the quietest Stanley Cup champ in years. Yeah, sure. Um, Odin says it stings less. We should have had that series. Yeah, I mean, that series was right there for the taking for Edmonton and a couple of things break a different way and and who knows how this kind of spring would have played out in our city. But not what ended up happening either. Um, you guys are also throwing just some insane trade proposals <laughs> into our chat. Um, <laughs> I, I love it. Keep them coming. I don't know if I'm going to read all of them because some of them are a little bit insane and I don't want Waz clipping it, putting it on TikTok and having all those TikTok kids freaking out on me. No, you got it. You got to read that one, Tyler. You got to read Michael's trade proposal. That is an all timer. <laughs> Drysidle, Cece, Kulak, and the Oilers first for Slavin, Pesci, and Svechnikov. <laughs> that is terrible. Ken Holland doesn't. Ken Holland doesn't hang up his phone and hit the little red button. He walks up to whatever floor he's on at the JW Marriott. He cranks open his window and he lobs it out the window while Don Waddell is still on the line. He just he just gives it a little little light toss. That's terrible. You don't. Tra- they're not trading Leon Drysital. People, calm down. <laughs> Owen's trade proposal. I like it a bit more. CC in a seventh rounder for Austin Matthews. Hey, mm-hmm. and if the if the Leafs can't get an extension done, what are what are we talking about here? Uh, <laughs> the, yeah, no, that's ridiculous, guys. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Could they get Kucherov and Vasilevsky from the Lightning? Maybe. Who knows? It's silly season. It's the off season. It's our favorite time of the year on this show because we're going to talk about trade rumors and all of that good stuff. And uh, to help us decipher fact from fiction, where there's smoke or where there's fire, Frank Saravalli will join the show every week leading up to the draft. He's on the Star Mechanical guest line, Edmonton's number one plumbing and heating and company. Find out more at starmechanical.ca. Frank Saravalli, you were there. Do we have Frank? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. G? Oh, there he is. Uh, Frank, you were there when Bill Foley boldly proclaimed cup in six years. Do you remember the first few thoughts that went through your head when you heard it? Yeah, I actually laughed. I was standing, I don't know, 10, 15 feet away. I'm like, who is this guy? First off, and what is he, does he know how the NHL works? Like, does he see the cup droughts in some other cities, franchises that have been around? Like, look at the St. Louis Blues and how long it took for them to end their drought. The Leafs, like, are you kidding? Six years? Because really, Tyler, the opinion was based off of, I spent a whole week in Vegas leading up to the team being named. And I went to the Golden Knights they actually had offices in an office park because they didn't have a practice facility yet. And I sat down with George McPhee and I had done all this work leading up to the expansion draft and prepping for it. And I, I, I had my mock draft and everything. And I, I slid it across the table to him and he looked at it and he's like, hmm, hmm interesting. Yeah. Huh. And he wouldn't tip his hand at all, but he was basically like, yeah, like you're on the right track with a lot of these picks. and and nailed some of them. But even the reaction from the Golden Knights, I can tell you this with 100% fact, that the day after the team was named, they had a sit down with Gary Bettman and Bill Daly in Vegas at lunch. And they were openly complaining about the expansion draft rules, saying, this is not set up for us to get anything. And they ended up with something because George McPhee was able to absolutely hammer these teams in leverage with their cap space and get pieces like Jonathan Marchessault, the Conn Smythe winner, and, and Riley Smith, the cup-clinching goal scorer in one transaction from the Florida Panthers, who, by the way, they beat last night. Yeah, that is something. You, you dropped the line there right off the bat. You know, you looked at him, you said, does this guy know how the NHL works? And I would almost argue that a big reason why they were able to build this team is because they didn't know how the NHL worked. They didn't sit there and go, patience, build through the draft, get a good young core. They basically sat there and said, ooh, that guy's available and he's really good. Let's get him. Oh, Jack Eichel's available. Back surgery be damned. Let's go get him. Oh, Alex Petrangelo, Stanley Cup winning D-man. Screw our cap. Let's go get that guy too. It was just, if they wanted it, they got it. Well, it's super aggressive. And the thing about everything that you just said is all of those players were available to 30 other teams. And people were scared off by the Jack Eichel unconventional neck surgery. And 
Mark Stone and the contract that he was due and Alex Petrangelo committing that many dollars to a guy that was soon to be on the wrong side of 30. I mean, every single move that they made also had a cap consequence because it meant saying goodbye to some really good players. Paul Stastny, he mother bleeped the Vegas Golden Knights on the way out. Like He just bought a house in Vegas, was planning on staying there forever. Max Pacioretty, same thing, builds a huge spread in Vegas, and it's like, I'm going to be a Golden Knight for life. And instead, they're like, we don't even want anything for him. Just get him out of here. Marc-Andre Fleury, same thing, the original Golden Knight, the premier sort of expansion night draft pick. Bill Foley told Marc-Andre Fleury in an elevator once that he was going to retire as a Vegas Golden Knight. And they just... They were like, yeah, look, all's fair in love and war, and we're trying to win a Stanley Cup, and doesn't matter what emotions and loyalty and anything else are like, we are going to build the best damn team possible, and they went out and did it. Uh, your video is not lagging today, and it's leading to some great comments in the chat, like this one from Good New, who says, I always thought Frank spoke a different language, and you guys were dubbing over his voice. Um, <laughs> yeah, our technology has actually just gotten better. Frank is still speaking Spanish in reality. Who, uh, whoever made that comment, like, you are my spirit animal, because I had been saying to Tyler for a few weeks now, anytime I come on, it's been a pain in the ass. We need to switch over to our new platform. I, I I never understood it, but yeah, we switched over to the new platform and things are running smooth. Uh, let's talk about the offseason and the Pacific Division. I have an article up at OilersNation.com right now that people can read just talking about how active kind of each team could be in the division and who could really improve this summer. And I think you look at Edmonton and Vegas and you go, they can run back almost the same roster, almost but they don't have enough cap space to go make like big, big improvements. You look at some teams lower, Anaheim's in a rebuild, the, the Sharks are likely still going to be in their rebuild. The Canucks and the Flames are in this weird spot. The LA Kings are the team I come to, and I say they're maybe the biggest wild card in this division because they could maybe run back the same group, sign Corpus Allo, try to do it again, but then I'd say, I don't know if they're better than Edmonton and Vegas, or they're one of the teams that has the ability to make a big splash if they want to. Well, they have the pieces organizationally to go and do that. They've got a bevy of young prospects that teams are interested in, and they also have a surplus at what many view as the most difficult position to fill, which is right shot defenseman. They traded one of those, of course, already this offseason in Sean Walker, but I think they could still move a couple guys in addition to that um, and really get to a comfortable place dealing from that surplus. To me, I think it all hinges on the goaltending situation for the Golden, or not for the Golden Knights, for the, the Silver Kings. Um, the reason for that is they haven't been able to get that position right since Jonathan Quick was at his peak. And I think it's a reminder for so many different franchises that, you know, you can have a lot of things fall into place, but if you don't have the goaltending, it's going to be really difficult to win. Like you've got to have one or the other. The Golden Knights, they prioritize defense over the goaltending portion and, you know, bulked up with size and skill. And their defense, coupled with the way that Bruce Cassidy plays, allowed them to really kind of make the goaltending position some interchangeable parts, whether it's Aiden Hill or Yuri Patera or Jonathan Quick or whoever it might be, Lauren Bassois, Logan Thompson, five goalies is ridiculous. 
They're like, yeah, we don't really care who plays tonight because we're likely going to get results somewhere in a certain window of save percentage that's going to allow us to be successful. I don't think the Kings are at that point. I don't think they defend well enough. They've gotten a lot better, but I think they still need a true number one to put in that spot. I don't think there's been a lot of talk and activity with Eunice Corpusallo. Um, I think a lot of people were suspecting that they might go down that path once they freed up the cap space. But I also think there's so many goalies out there this summer that, and some that could really be impact guys that I think the Kings are probably going to make a splash at that position. And then you say, well, look out. Like, this is a team that if their young guys continue to take another step forward and if they trade their, you know, some of the right pieces on their back end that, you know, they could continue to, to grow at other positions. They're going to be deep, fast, and young. And they're one of those teams, you know, we talked earlier um, uh, today on Daily Faceoff Live about some long shot bets. Like the Kings, to me, like, I don't know. I think they're a really intriguing team. Maybe I'm biased because I picked the Kings to win the Pacific this year. And people are saying, how could you not pick one of Edmonton or Calgary? And the wild thing is the Golden Knights are the team that won the division then go on to win a Stanley Cup. Uh, let me throw a few Oilers things your way. Ties into the news we got in Ottawa, though. Michael Ann Lauer wins the bid to take control of the Senators. Um, an insane price take to it, nearly uh, $950 million US. But there's long been the connection that, or the thought that if Ann Lauer gets the Sens, you'll want to hire his pal Steve Stales, just like he did with Hamilton in the Ontario Hockey League. I guess walk us through the timeline of when Ann Lauer is going to like take over this team and could it result in Steos leaving the Oilers? Could it result in changes this summer? I guess is my question. So the timeline is actually still unclear. And that's the part where I think everyone's really curious. When is he actually going to be handed the keys to begin making operational changes? If he wants to, you know, I explained this yesterday, the idea, like if you've bought a house, you understand you've signed the agreement of sale, which is essentially where um, they're at at the moment between Ann Lauer and the Sens. And it takes like 30, 60, 90 days, whatever it might be to then actually close on the property or close on the team. So that's sort of what we're waiting for is that closing process. It's not going to happen overnight. It also requires former NHL for mole NHL governor board of governors approval. Uh, that's a rubber stamp. And Lauer has had a seat at the table already as a minority owner of the Montreal Canadians. But as it relates to the Oilers, I think this is a pretty significant juncture because the Oilers were sitting back a few weeks ago saying, well, let's be ready just in case Michael and Lauer wins the Sens. But if he doesn't, then I guess we don't really have any decisions to make. And now we're at the point where push is coming to shove. And I don't know how it's going to play out. If I were to handicap it at this exact moment in time, if Michael Anlauer wants to make the change and bring Steve Steos aboard, I don't think the Oilers are going to get in, in Steve Steos's way. That said, I think given where they're at with Ken Holland, knowing that he has one year left on his deal, and really we don't have any indication that he intends to work beyond that, you have to ask the question of what is the succession plan? You know, you don't want to be in a spot one year from now where Ken Holland's walking out the door and you don't know who's going to replace him. And oh, by the way, you said 
you let Steve Steos walk and now you're starting from square one. So I'm not saying Steve Steos is the answer. All I'm saying is if you think he might be part of the solution, then you have a decision to make. Should we keep this guy? Should we be protective of a guy that we went out to hire and bring into our organization also as a former player? Um, the decision-making process, I think, will involve Ken Holland. Paul Coffey is going to have a big, big say. I think it's the most underreported story in the NHL, really how much influence Paul Coffey has in the Edmonton Oilers' operation. Uh, very big seat at the table. I don't expect him to be one of those guys that steps into you know, being a president or a GM or something like that, but he certainly has the trust and voice within the team. And, you know, it's an interesting spot because the Oilers, they have actually one of the smallest front offices in the league. You've got Bill Scott as the assistant GM. You've got Brad Holland as an assistant GM. Tyler Wright as an assistant GM. These guys are all well thought of, but I'm not sure that any one of those guys is sort of looked at as the successor. I think optically, it's probably hard to get from Ken Holland to Brad Holland. And then Tyler Wright is probably, I don't know, I don't think he's going to be the guy. And I'm not sure that anyone's, you know, pounding their fists on the table for Bill Scott. So it kind of raises the question, where do the Oilers go next? That is become a significant one to at least begin to talk about because of the Ann Lauer situation with the Sens. Is it not weird that they have a small staff? Like, there's no cap on spending there. You'd think an organization like the Oilers could afford to, you know, round out their staff, have more seats at the table, maybe dig more into the analytics side of thing, and, and not even just to get into that debate. Like, why would you run a small staff? 29 staff members. Uh, I think the Arizona Coyotes have 38. Um, last time I checked, the Edmonton Oilers do not have an Ontario-based scout. Like, there's honestly some mind-blowing staffing and operational things with the Oilers that you're like, this is a large, you know, revenue producing team in the NHL that is in a critically important time in franchise history with two of the very best players on the planet. Why are they not maxing out on all the things that you would think they might need in order to be successful? Yep. That doesn't make a lot of sense. And also one of the highest ticket prices in the league. Which yeah. Everyone keeps nodding in the chat, I bet. Yeah. I mean, how many good players come out of Ontario? I mean, come on. Just yeah, I mean, it's what a fledgling province that is. Uh, okay. Off-season moves. The big, sexy name all the fans are throwing trade proposals out for is Travis Konechny. Okay. And Ken Holland comes out today and says, you know, tells Daniel Nugent Bowman of the Athletic, he's going to have a hard time shoehorning in another big contract. Doesn't think he can do it. Says he wants to leave a million dollars set aside. All that stuff. So is the Konechny thing realistic? Is a big move realistic this summer? I don't think it's realistic. I think the Oilers are going to keep their ear close to the ground. I think if something pops onto their plate that makes sense, that they think they can swing, then you might see them go down that path. But for the most part, I think their view is to really try and improve on the margins. Maybe you can make a deal with someone for Cody Cece that gives you some increase, increased flexibility to go out and, and you know make a move like that. I have a hard time seeing it. Um, I, I think the goal should be stack up a pile of 3 and 5% wins that hopefully can add up to something bigger. You know, 
find a way to improve the right side of your offense, increase the depth and, and frankly, the variability of your bottom six. You don't want six guys that all play the same and look the same. Bring a different skill set to the table. Bring an edge. Bring something different than what you currently have. I thought the Derek Ryan signing was really smart. Like, what's the very worst case scenario that happens? Derek Ryan becomes someone that sits on your bench during the Stanley Cup playoffs or sits as a healthy scratch. I mean, if that's the worst thing, like, they're in good shape. So um, I do think that this team can improve depth-wise, and I do think that they're close. I saw people say that the Oilers, after last night's Golden Knights win, congratulations, you're the runner-up in the 2023 Stanley Cup playoffs. I don't know that that's necessarily true, but I also think that the Oilers are probably sitting here today, and rightfully so, saying that could have been us. We could have beaten the Golden Knights, and we could have won the Stanley Cup. Um, unfortunately, Tyler, the NHL is littered with that type of mentality every spring. And I'd like to see the Oilers get just a little bit more aggressive to help try and put this team over the top so that when you enter the season, there's no perfect roster, but you're at least asking fewer questions. Well, what if this happens or what if, or what if try and, you know, be as aggressive as possible to, to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, we just talked about it with Vegas, right? Future assets be damned. You think about the trade tree of like the Thomas Tatar thing, right? Give up all those picks for Thomas Tatar. Then you say, okay, screw it, not working. Let's flip them for Pacioretty. Okay, screw it. We need the cap space. Let's flip them for nothing. Like future assets be damned. Cap structure be damned. We'll make it work. Let's just focus on getting better. I think I'd like to see, I agree with that. I'd like to see a bit more of an aggressive mindset from I just don't, I don't think that's how Ken Holland is wired. No? Well, clearly, yeah, clearly not. But there's a part of me, am I wrong for thinking? So he took the big swing with Ekholm, right? Arguably the biggest swing swing he's taken as Oilers GM. If he has one year left and he's sitting there going, one year I'm retiring. We heard that like he took this loss this spring very, very hard. He was fired up. Maybe he does sit there and go, I don't, as, to steal his line, I don't invest in green bananas. Maybe he just says, screw it. Next two first, I'm not afraid to move them. I want to cup this year in my last year. That's how I would approach it. Like, if you know you're not working anymore, it's someone else's problem anyway. I'm not saying throw caution to the wind, but if you have a conviction, a player that you really believe in, that you think is the missing link to your team and success in the playoffs, go do it. And, like, I think he's done some aggressive things. Going after Evander Kane when no one else would, yeah. that's big. Matthias Ekholm, that trade, that was big. Um, I think the Brett Kulak, it wasn't a big swing, but I think the addition was seamless in terms of what he brought. So I do think that there's the Hyman signing. Like there's, there's lots of things to point to to say this team has improved from here all the way up to here under Ken Holland, and he's given Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl the support that they need or better support. But that doesn't mean that it can't be better than what it is right now. Yeah. And again, I like he said, not to throw caution to the wind, but at the same time, it's not like you're trying trying to load up a middling roster and take a swing that's uncalled for or whatever, right? Like you're loading up a roster with a lot of talent on it. Why not take uh, some more swings? Like, how about what Steven Samko said? We don't care about the picks. Those picks aren't going to, first off, they're going to be late. They're going to take years. And 
Do you think Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl are losing sleep over the Oilers not having first-round picks? No. Maybe that's when you invest in your scouting staff to make sure that you hit in picks two, three, four, and five. Yeah, totally, man. Uh, all right. Well, we are 14, oh, a little bit less, 11 days away from drinking together in Nashville. That'll be fun. Who's counting? Wait, did I say drinking? I meant to say working. Anyways, we'll chat with you next I'm, week. I'm just work, speaking of working, all my list today is to schedule some IV bags for Tyler. So mm, Smart man, smart yeah. man. All right, live in Nashville in a couple of weeks. So I'll chat with you again next week, though, Frank. See you, Tyler. All right, there you go. Frank Servali for Star Mechanical. Star Mechanical guest line, Edmonton's number one plumbing and heating company for over 20 years, starmechanical.ca. Liam, time for our uh, recap of what happened with Frank. What did Frank say that you found interesting? What does Paul Coffey do? Good question. Why do the Oilers not have an Ontario scout still? Ah. And it's, a long, think, it's a long drive. That's true. It's, <laughs> how would we possibly get there? Um, I think that's that's covered it for me. I love I love the Vegas theory now of just like because a couple of years ago it was just like how could Vegas do this to all their players and now it's just like well maybe maybe Vegas is the recipe to success and just yeah. having no feelings towards anybody and just doing whatever it takes and maybe more teams should have that feeling towards players. I don't know. It'd be It'd be difficult for the Oilers to do that this summer. I think the only name obviously would be like a a Jack Campbell, for example. But besides that, the Oilers aren't really in a situation to be moving many guys. Yeah. Uh, Reed says, why doesn't Liam get to ask any questions? Because I'm a dick. That's why. (laughs) I didn't have any. Yeah. (laughs) Easier when we're in the same room and you can like bounce off each other a little Mm. bit. Shows like this is always a little bit more difficult. Um, all right, let's get to our player grade today for, well, also for Star Mechanical. Uh, Philip Broberg is next up on the list. We are all the way at number 86, Liam. And here's what I did for Broberg. Nothing flashy here at all. Nothing that groundbreaking. C-plus in the regular season. C-plus in the playoffs. Listen, did he get some NHL games in? Yes. Could Philip Broberg be an everyday defenseman? Yes. But in this, the, what, third or fourth year from his NHL draft? Am I any more or less sure in Philip Broberg's ability to be a top four defenseman than I was at the beginning of the season? No, he played fine, gave them solid minutes, took, I think, some small steps forward at different points. But did he have a breakout season, the breakout season I was hoping for? He didn't. So I have a tough time giving him any more than a C plus. I actually had a C in both categories, Tyler. So you, you're a little bit more genuine than I was on this one. I, I just... What, like you said, what did Broberg really do this season to really elevate himself? I mean, it was good that he played 46 games and like we saw a little bit more of what he's capable of, but I still feel like there's so much more untapped potential with Broberg and we really need to start seeing that sooner rather than later. Like it was a weird season for him. He obviously, I think it was a shoulder injury, which kept him out for a little bit. And then just that left side is so crowded. It's going to be so difficult to, to see what he does and, Holland actually said that in that athletic piece again today. He said something along the lines of like the the future of Philip Broberg and like the way he progresses is something that keeps him up at night, basically. So we'll see what happens. I had a chance at returning in at around a sixty percent chance. So there you wow. go. We'll see. Man, that's low. Here's what Holland said in the DNB piece to grab the quote. He says, I believe Woodcroft, Manson, and I all think he has the potential to be a top four guy. Now, saying all that, you've got to play. To play better, you've got to play. When you've got Nurse on the left side, Ekholm and Kulak, they're pros. It's a dilemma. 
He adds, I feel really good about our left side D. He can play right. I think he's most comfortable on left. Broberg's development and growth weighs on my mind on a regular basis. That right there, him saying they're high on him, that's why my chance of returning is high, up to 90%. Mm. Could he make it through next season? That chance is lower. I think he could be a guy who, if you're trying to add an impact righty at the deadline, he's a very likely trade candidate at that point. But I, I think a move this summer is unlikely, which is why I'm up at 90% there. But here's what the chat's saying. Nova says C and C means see ya. I don't think they're actively shopping him. I think if I, I just don't think he's untouchable anymore. Like I think Holloway's closer to untouchable than Broberg is. Mulek said I think his return rate is closer to 50%. Viperisk said that's a poor season. If it was a poor season, I would have given him two D pluses, but I just it wasn't terrible. He wasn't bad at any point. He just didn't take a huge step forward. There was a an article I wrote over on the site uh, a few months ago just on kind of Philip Broberg and what he does. And he simply just doesn't do much. Like, and that's not a bad thing and it's not a, it's not a good thing. It's just like, he's just kind of in the middle where he's like, he doesn't do a lot to help improve the team. He's just fairly, fairly steady. But I, we need to see him start playing like the eighth overall pick. And I'm not saying he needs to go out and have 100 points next season, but he needs to start skating with the puck and creating chances and, and being the guy we thought we were getting. And right now he's just very vanilla. And the Oilers, I think, have, I think more Broberg than the Oilers needs to figure out a way to become better so we can push guys like maybe a Kulak further down the depth chart, if that's even a possibility, or get on that right side instead of Dehane. He needs to do it himself. It's not on the Oilers to now push that even more, I think. There you go. That's our player grade for Star Mechanical. A couple more things before we wrap up the show today. AMA Travel Trade Machine. Liam, I got a very basic one cooked up for you. All right. All right. Colorado Avalanche trade a first round pick in 2024 for a full season of Mark Shifley. I feel like it's not enough for Shifley. So Winnipeg probably says no, but I think Colorado could be really wanting this guy. Think of him as a great re- top six replacement for Landeskog. It would keep Rantanen on the wings. So you could run McKinnon on one line, Shifley on the other, fill your wingers however you want. He's the perfect fit for Colorado. The reason I think it's unrealistic is because I don't think the Avs have enough. They don't have the prospects to make this deal happen unless they're flipping other pieces for picks and whatnot. So a first round pick for Shifley, would that be enough? Uh, no, I, I I don't think so. I I wonder, and I want to reverse this back to you, Tyler. What if this was like an Alex Newhook for Shifley? If you're Colorado and you think you could sign them, I think you debate it. Yeah. I, I just think Winnipeg are going to get, and this, this also depends on what else happens, but what are they going to get for Dubois or, or Hellebuck, right? Are they going to need another first round pick? What if they can get a younger player? Like Colorado has some of those guys too, like probably a bit too much, but like a Bowen Byron, for example, and New Hawk yeah, guys who are like, yeah, I can kind of play like in the NHL today. I wonder if Winnipeg just would rather have someone like that than wait on a pick. So, I think if this was a trade, I don't think Winnipeg would do it because I think they would want just a little bit more for Shifley. As much as I hate him, he is a very good hockey player. Yeah, he scored 40 goals last year. So just a first, likely not enough for this edition of the AMA Travel Trade Machine. I see uh, Michael, Viperis, JLM, you're all saying Jets would want more. Derek says Jets would want more. So yeah, I think that makes uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Russell says Alex Newhook from my home province of Newfoundland. There you go. There you go. Uh, Betway, other sports. I've been doing the whole show holding hockey pucks. 
I'm I've been fidgeting the entire show. I have a golf ball when I do the show. Um, all right. AMH or sorry, <laughs> Betway other sport report for tonight. The Jays got smoked last night. Uh, mm. so I am definitely gonna be betting on the Blue Jays bouncing back this evening against the Baltimore Orioles. Uh it's starting for them tonight. I think it's a Barrios day, isn't it? It is. It's a Jose Barrios day going up against Kyle Bradish. So that's an advantage for Toronto. Barrios has been pitching really good. It's a straight up pick em game on the betting front as well. I like the Jays and also the U.S. Open starts tomorrow, Liam. You know me. You know I love a good golf major. I'm not quite sure who I think is going to win this one, though. I'm I'm debating it. I got a funky feeling about Colin Morikawa, though. I um, I've been doing some stuff on this. You know, I like to get involved with the majors and not much else around the golf. But what about Hovland? That's his name, right? Yeah, and he got a win not that long ago, so I don't think that's crazy. Vic Hovland's been playing some good golf. Uh, anyways, the full odds board is up over at Betway. Will you be putting together your your spreadsheet again for the U.S. Open? I, I always do the spreadsheet for for the Masters. I'll mm-hmm. probably do one as long as I got enough time this afternoon to to do some serious research. I will probably probably have my spreadsheet together and I'll be cruising around the office tomorrow with my iPad, like a true iPad kid with nothing but golf on it. I'm excited. Very excited. Also, I, I have one more question for you, Tyler, about the Blue Jays. Why do the Blue Jays stink against their divisional teams, but are very, very good against literally everybody else? It's because their division's just sick, man. Like, mm. if you look at the win-loss records for every division compared to the AL East, it's it's nuts. It's crazy, but there's no cap in baseball. You're stuck with two teams that spend more than anyone. And then another couple team or the Rays, at least, who just develop talent better than like any North American sports franchise. It's insane. So, yeah, it's it's a shitty luck of the draw kind of situation for the Jays. So, yeah, it's too bad. There you go. You're rocking a Jays jersey today, though. eh? I am. Go Jays. Go Birds. Uh, All right. That's a wrap on today's show from the Sports Closet Studio. Look at these bad boys. These are nice hoodies right here. Ooh. Find them both on sportscloset.ca or St. Albert Mall, Sherwood Park Mall, Kings Bay Mall. Shout out to Sherwood for the Giant as well. New offseason giant question dropping tomorrow on the show. Plenty for us to get to because it's officially the offseason. Lots of good shows coming your way. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button before you go. We'll chat tomorrow noon Mountain Time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.